0: Um, I, I'm really excited about going through this passage. I'm actually kind of revisiting one that we started at the beginning of the year with, um, about doing a new thing, and um, I didn't plan on it. I was just going through the scriptures, and Judd and I were talking and praying about what what to be preaching on, and um, got to the scripture in the New Testament, and it kind of refers back to the Old Testament, brought me a full circle to where we started, and, uh, but with, with a little bit different insight. And so hopefully that'll be good. Um, My heart is very full right now, very full. Um, Just because uh, recognizing how incredible God is, how great God is, and um, just thankful for all the work that he's done. And uh, I'm excited because I realize that everybody's in different kinds of seasons in their life, and I I call this sermon embracing or engaging Or accepting new life and I don't mean it in just in the sense of like uh, being born again that's not my topic today it's really embracing new life or new seasons that God's bringing new life that he's birthing into the season that we're coming into we believe at the very beginning of the of the year that God spoke to us about new life and also his presence and uh as when, when God speaks to you and, and you're, a, you're a pastor and're kind you, you feel a sense of responsibility, and the very first thing I sensed was, "Lord, how am I going to help make this happen?" <laughs> and the Lord quickly removed me from his presence, <laughs> and not 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 literally like that, but he quickly threw the idea out of my mind because. A lot of times, when God shows you where He's going to take you and what He's going to do, our natural sense is to, to try to make it happen, and and we're so caught in it. The Jews at that time um, of Jesus walking on the earth, you know, they were earning everything themselves. They were working hard, trying to abide by the law, trying to make their salvation work. And I see it all around me, all the time. I see it in some of our local religions here, where there's a works-oriented. Uh, you know, try to earn God's salvation. Try to make yourself just a little better. I, I see it in the way people grab from sports analogies. You know, look at how hard he trained. If you just train a little harder, you get a little better. And and then I, I watch these athletes who get better, and they train more, and they get better, and then they get older. <laughs> right? And, and they're still trying to, I'm still, you know, they kind of hang on toward the end. You know, I'm still better, I'm going to still get better. No one's counting me out then all of a sudden, you know, age catches up to you. And then, you know, and all of a sudden you just can't jump as high. I really can't jump as high as I used to be able to jump. <laughs> you know, it's funny. And, and, and you know, you, you can't jump as high, you can't run as fast. And, you know, you start in diapers and you just eventually just end up in diapers too, don't you? <laughs> Right? Isn't that how it works? And life is humbling, isn't it? Uh, because in one sense, you, you think you you have all this power and all this energy, and you see it in, like I mentioned, in the sports world, where you're trying to become something and you're working real hard, and 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 everybody lauds that. They say, "Wow, that's incredible!" You work hard, and you see the benefit, you see the reward, and. Then I mentioned again, we see local religions and religions that we observe, and we say, hey, they're works-oriented. You know, they, they believe they're gonna be saved by works. And then we look at ourselves as believers who believe in the gospel, and I'll be honest with you, I see the same thing in our churches. I see a lot of the same thing. People are working so hard to try to earn their salvation or trying to get to that next level. And Jesus really just confronts this in a really powerful way um, in the gospel here of Mark in chapter 2. He does it all the way throughout that chapter, but I'm just going to focus in on one and refer back to some of the Old Testament um, references that he gives us. We are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. How do we grow then? Do we, if we receive the Spirit by what we believe, then how do you think that an increase of the Spirit in your life will happen by what you do? And, and I, I literally meet people that are trying to follow the Spirit as if it's as if they read Galatians five, where it says keep in step with the Spirit, but they forgot to read Galatians one through four. They just jump to it and. There's a, they heard a message on it, and now they're trying to follow where the Spirit is. Do you know the grace of God is what helps you follow Him? It's what saves you. It's what's leading you in the right direction. It's what gives you confidence for the future. It's the love of God is something that you can't earn. It's something that you already have, and it's a great love, isn't it? God's great love. It's awesome. Let's get right to the heart of the scripture and uh, share some really powerful stuff. How how many are facing new seasons? Like it's a real fresh time right now. Raise your hand. I just want to get a show of hands. How how many would say, and be honest, you don't have to exaggerate, how how many feel like it's, boy, like you're sensing that God is going, it's not only a new season, but it's kind of a breakthrough season. Like there's something really, I'm making a big change. Raise your hand. A little higher so everybody can see. I don't think this is just universal. I think that the Lord is doing something in our midst. Amen? Amen. And, And he wants us to have the right heart in it. He wants us to have the right viewpoint of it. He wants us to focus on the right ways to prepare ourselves for it. My natural way of preparing for it is just try to help him and try to do it. That's my natural way. And, and, I, and, and it's funny because 10 years ago, I wouldn't even have caught myself. out would have just done it. And at the end, I would have gone, well, that was stupid. But almost at the beginning now, I hear the Lord saying, yep, you need to navigate this, don't you? By not working harder than I am. And I can hear him. And I, and I feel myself waiting. And I go, wow. I'm like excited. I'm like, wow, I'm listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> Has that ever surprised you when you're listening to the Lord? And there's, it's in an area that you're not usually listening as well because you're trying so hard to listen that you're stepping all over yourself. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Well, that, that's the season I'm in right now. And so when the Lord brought this to me, I was thankful because uh, I'm, I'm always thankful when something totally applies to my situation that he wants me to share. And, and that that's this today. So let's go to Mark 2.18. And then uh, we're going to be jumping back to Isaiah, where some of the references are related to this and this power of the Gospels. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, can you say that word, say fasting? Yes. They were fasting. Fasting is a thing that you do because you're, you're pleading unto the Lord to do something, or you're denying yourself so that you can hear him maybe in a spiritual way. There's a lot of different fasts, but it's, it's not just not eating, it's a, it's a longing for the justice of the Lord. For the power of the Lord, for the mercy of the Lord, and and they're they're asking him, why aren't you guys? John's are, the Pharisees are. Why aren't your disciples? Now think about this. Part of the fasting that they had originally was just once a year. There was an official once a year fasting, and then this had become um, with the with the Pharisees and the Sadducees twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. They would fast. And the twice a week, and then John's disciples, being disciples of the Pharisees, somewhat also kind of incorporated that. It was kind of the cultural norm, twice a week. And now Jesus comes up. Here is this Messiah who they don't realize is the Messiah, but his disciples do. They're seeing that he is. You're the the Son of God. We know. We think we know who you are. We're following you. And all this fasting has been to see a final release of freedom. It's to see the jubilee that has been proclaimed over these 50-week you know, ceremonies finally has come to some conclusion. Daniel's prophecy of you know, 490 plus one and all these weeks that were prophesied through Zechariah and Nehemiah and all through Genesis with Abraham. It's come to a conclusion now where Jesus Christ has come on the earth as the answer for mankind. And they're asking him, and I get it. Why aren't they fasting? And imagine the son of God go, they've been fasting for this. They've been struggling for this. The Israelites trapped in Egypt was a picture of deliverance which is fulfilled now. When he opens Isaiah and declares the prophecy, he says this Prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing. If you ask me, where can I be one place in the Bible and just witness it, it would have been that event. I would have wanted to, just as a Bible student, I would have loved to have sat there and watched Jesus come forward and declare to the religious people around him and to the world, this scripture is done. I am the answer to the prophecies. I'm the answer to the promises. I am the fulfillment to all the law breaking. I am the answer to sin's curse. And everything will be paid, everything will be resurrected, everything will be made new. The old covenant will be obsolete, the new covenant will reign. There is a new goodness in life. This is exciting. So go back to the question. Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Like, listen, before you get there, you know, people are worried about the wedding. I've done hundreds of weddings, you know, but once the wedding starts, you don't fast. You get out the banquet food. You get the couple and they're going, do you promise that I do? And do you? I do. And you look good and you look good, right? And they smile and the the woman comes out. She's like, you know, she's looking good. And he's like, hey, man, she's looking good. And he's looking good, right? And then they're all, everyone's going, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they have a big, huge party. And there's a celebration because their life has been changed. It's something different. Now, that is an earthly analogy that Jesus is using. Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. (laughs) They can't fast. There's nothing to mourn. But someday when the groom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. And guess what? Jesus was taken away from them. And he was buried, making the payment for sin. Three days. And then when sin's payment was completed, and sin's payment was paid in full, then sin, connected to death, lost its power. And he rose from the dead in our form, showing that death had been killed. The death of death in the death of Christ. How many say amen? Amen. And guess what? Then all of a sudden, you have Easter and hope comes. And hope is filled. Everything is there. Hope is there. And and the women see him first. And they go, man, the guys aren't going to believe it. Go tell them anyway. Especially Peter. And Jesus is resurrected. And hope comes back into it. And the groom is back with the life of the church, and the Holy Spirit then in the book of Acts, falls on the life of the church, and there is joy and the fruits of the Spirit now manifest itself in the church. Do we really want to go backwards? Do you want to go back to the law? Do you want to go back to the rules? Do you want to go back to unfulfilled promises? Do you want to go back to earning your salvation? Or do you want to embrace the good news of Jesus Christ and say, hallelujah? Hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't think you get it. The hallelujah is worth more than that. It is. I'm telling you, it is. I can't, you know, I'm inside, I'm going crazy. Crazy. You know, I'm just either a horrible communicator, which could be true. But, but the, you know, but the thing is, is like, isn't this the most exciting thing ever? Yeah. Yes. This is so awesome. This is so incredible. Besides, Jesus said, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth leaving an even bigger tear than before. I mean, most of the clothes that we buy now is pre-shrunk cl- clothing. You know, it's pre-shrunk, it's, it's water-treated, it's dried, and then maybe it's stretched out to the right size now. And, and so now, now it's pre-shrunk. So if you buy cloth that's also pre-shrunk, you can use it to patch. In those days, if, if you had clothes... By the time a week would go by, a month go by, six months go by, and you've washed it and washed it and washed it, then it becomes shrunk. And so he had to make things a lot bigger. You can't take, Jesus saying, you can't take new cloth, put it into the patch where you're, you're, you're fixing the, cl- the, the shirt you're wearing and kind of sew it up there. Because what's going to happen is, whatever you sew up on the old cloth, is just gonna shrink the shirt even more. And in fact, it's gonna tear what you had and it's gonna tear what you just put in it. It's no good. It won't work. You can't patch it up. You can't take your life and go, oh, I'm so, oh man, I need to be saved really in areas, you know, two and quadrant six. <laughs> you know, those are the areas I need God in. And so, God, come on in and just kind of fix this one here. Let's put a patch on it here. No, you need new life. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it can't birth a plant. It can't birth more seeds that come from that plant, which will make a harvest. Do you understand that the more you patch it, the more God will lovingly and faithfully work against you for your own sake? Can I tell you, say, I may not be the greatest person in the world, but I preach the gospel here every week. Right. Every week. Right. It's the gospel. It's Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus Christ and him crucified every week. Yeah. That's what, because it's the only thing that matters. It must die. You can't do it. Jesus saying, the tears is going to be even bigger. Whatever you tried to fix... With that new little patch that you were going to put on, which is of the old cloth, won't work." And then he says, "And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, because there's going to be expansion. You take an old wineskin skin that's already been stretched, and then you finally it gets old, it gets set in its ways, and then you put new wine in it. it says, for the wine would burst the new wine, skin, the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. You can't take the old housing and put a bunch of wine in it that's new and then it's going to expand. It wants to grow, it wants to become something. It won't fit in your old paradigm. You can't just fix your old religion. You can't take the old season and just kind of modify it. You can't just go, God, just sort of steer me a little ways. When I first became a Christian, I've shared the story before. I was working in a recording studio for probably about eight to 10 years. Uh, it, I loved the studio. We built it from the ground up. We wired it with all incredible, really great Megami cable. It had all kinds of sophisticated patch bays for those of you in the audio world. We were the, basically the beta test site for all kinds of new automation faders that were coming out. We were working with some really big artists all over the place. And I became a Christian. <laughs> and I poured my soul into this thing. And I remember being in the restroom of that studio. And I remember the Lord speaking to me. And I, I, all of a sudden, he was taking my peace away every time I walked into that place. He was just taking my peace away. And I thought, Lord, this is some kind of repentance. I got on my knees and I got on my face. And the Lord said, you're seasoned at the studios done. I'm going to do something else. And I faithfully said to the Lord, I can't hear you. I don't know what you're saying. (laughs) So I went to Jody and I said, I said, "What do you think the Lord's saying?" She goes, "Well, what did God say to you?" And I said, "Let me ask somebody else." <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't matter. I, I, I waited a week. I waited two weeks, and, and then and, and then I came back to the Lord, and it was like it was as if the Lord was standing there with his with his one ear clothes. and he looked at me and he just said, "We are not moving on past this." And I said, "That's not fair." Because look at all I built. I read in the proverb that hard work leads to profit. You wouldn't violate your word, would you? (laughs) I was waiting for an apology for the Lord. Totally understand. I forgot to read that proverb. It's been a while. But nothing budged. Nothing budged. Nothing budged. Until finally I woke up and the Lord brought me to a place of obedience. Well, it wasn't obedience. You know, if you don't obey the first time, it's not obedience. Right? How many say amen? Right? That's why you teach your kids to follow you the first time. You do your best you can so they know if they don't, it's not obedience. I wasn't being obedient. God was dragging me through my disobedience. And he finally brought me to a place where I said, okay, Lord. And it was the hardest thing, meeting with my partner in the studio. And I said, I can't go on anymore. It's like, what? What? everything that you've poured in here? And I remember I I did every kind of odd job for almost a year, almost a year. I mean, literally. I'd wake up in the morning and and I'd, listen, I had no college experience. Well, I I got kicked out of three colleges. (laughs) I fought one teacher. I won't give you all the things, but... Each morning, I'd get up, and I'd make a phone call, and, or I'd get a call, and I'd have a job that day, and doing all kinds of odd jobs, and then I found out that my wife was pregnant with Caleb, and I remember thinking to myself, what am I going to do? What am I going to do And each day I wouldn't have something I, I'd get odd jobs Pete was working at a car dealership and he'd go you want to drive this car I'll pay you a hundred bucks if you drive this car from here to there I was like yeah And goes, hey you want to rip out some carpet I go yes I'll do it and, and I was thinking man I'm a musician I'm a creative person I, you know I feel like I have talent in this and all I'm doing is every odd job and the Lord said to me he says I'm teaching you to walk by faith because you're going to need it later. I'm so thankful for those days. I hated those days. Hated those days. I really did. But the Lord taught me how to obey him with a happy attitude. And I'd wake up in the morning and I'd go, God's got something. And I lost my license because I had 30 tickets because of all these stupid policemen... It's all their fault. And the stupid judges, they don't know what they're doing. I'm kidding. So I lost my license and I had to earn it back. So I took the bus everywhere. It was humbling to take the bus everywhere for me. But you know what? God was bringing a new season and He wanted me to die to the old season. He was doing things for my own benefit. I used to give my kids time out I'd make them sit in one space and I'd just say sit there you can fold your hands and I said I just want you to think about it and to them it seemed like an hour it was like five minutes seven minutes when they were really young and I said it's good to sit there isn't it what are you thinking about and it would be hard and they they wouldn't be humble when I'd sit them there but after they'd been sitting there for a while then they'd get humble because they didn't want to sit there anymore (laughs) they're not dumb But God does that with us, doesn't he? Sometimes he just makes you sit there with your hands folded. And sometimes you're just waiting for that next season to come. And Jesus is telling these religious leaders of high stature, of, you know, finding, they have found all these sophisticated ways to make their religion attainable. I can do this, and I can do, I can do this, and look at my outfit. When I pray, I pray on the city streets, oh, our Father, to set a good example. I tithe, you know, everything of every part of, you know, every mint, and every myrrh, and every part of every spice, I'm very meticulous. And there's like a false hope. I was talking to someone yesterday, And they were saying, what about this person? Are they going to heaven? They were asking me. And I go, well, what do you mean? And they go, they're a good person. And I said, well, then if you're a good person, you get to go to heaven. And that's true. I haven't met any of them yet. (laughs) Anyone here a good person in perfection? Because the Bible says if you break one law, James says, it's as if you broke every law before God. How many would admit we're not as good as we think that we are? Come on. And uh, what'd you learn in church today that I'm not that good? <laughs> See? And you know what the natural thing to preach now? Once you're not good? Here's the here's the logical sermon, but the false one. So be good now. And there is scriptures that talk about doing good overcome evil with good but the root of it is found in the power of the spirit and the spirit is found by the cross of Christ and the cross of Christ is rooted in the payment made so it's not just a do good it's a in the power of God the Holy Spirit commands do good by my spirit it's a grace thing New wine calls for new wineskin. Listen, when Jesus came, everything changed. Just say everything. 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 I wrote down a few here. But his death, his cross, his resurrection. Historically, it changed, okay? Because he changed the way history was. What happened 2,015 years ago, we look back at the time of Christ. We write our checks every day reminding us of the gospel. Historically and personally, the scriptures, the prophecies, the promises, the ceremonies were fulfilled. The religious point systems became null and void. Old Testament rules no longer apply in the same way. We don't throw out virtue of the Old Testament. We are no longer under its supervision, according to Galatians 3.17, which comes before Galatians 5. Students, Everything is different and new. It's time to rejoice and embrace. Amen? Amen. The new ways are not the old ways. Old cloth incompatible with new cloth. Old wineskins incompatible with new wine. Listen, you can't play Blu-ray discs on your VCR. (laughs) Have you figured that out? You can't sync your iPhone with your Texas Instrument Pocket Calculator. Right? It's just not gonna work. And you can't keep on living as if Jesus never came. You can't keep doing religion like Jesus never came and died and rose again and gave you new life and new hope and eternal life. You can't keep doing the same thing. Amen? Okay, in Hebrews 8 9, he in- in reinforces this. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. Remember when Jesus pulls out the bread, Jay and I I are going to be singing a song, um, an original song about this in, in a few weeks. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors, the old covenant, the covenant of works. The covenant made with you are my people, I'm your God. You follow me and then I'll be faithful to you. This one is Jesus Christ brings the new covenant with his body broken. Amen? Amen? It's the New Testament. It's a new covenant in my name. It's a, new, it's a new love. Because they did not remain faithful, it says, to my covenant, and I turned away from them. It happened just like it is. They, they obey, and they didn't. I told them to obey, and they didn't. Sound familiar? Does anyone want to go back to that? No. no. This is the covenant... I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and I will be their, they will be my people. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. How many say hallelujah? How many would like your sins not remembered anymore? How many know that some people you know remember them? Listen, can, can I tell you what brought a breakthrough in my marriage relationship? Yeah. Jody and I would get in an argument about something, and either I'd be upset with her or she'd be upset with her. And one day the Lord just made it clear, he, she goes, She's upset with you. And I said, I know. But I've already like repented and everything. And and then the Lord just reminded me, He goes, Are you gonna live unto her and to me? And all of a sudden I realized I looked at her and I smiled. I said, I love you because I know I'm forgiven even though I know you don't see that yet. And this goes both ways, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I'm, just, I'm not trying to put me over Jody. This, it happens both ways. I'm just sharing my experience. And I realized that, listen, your cousin, your son, your friend, your teacher, the policeman, whoever may not forgive you. And you may get the death penalty someday. Right? But you will be forgiven by the Lord. If you can find that in your marriage, then you can look at your spouse when they're not feeling forgiveness that moment for whatever reason. And you can smile, you can say, I love you. I love you because I know I'm forgiven. It's not like this. I love you. I know I'm forgiven. That is not what I said, amen? That's not what I said. That's not what I meant. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is why you have to understand your wickedness. Yeah. Because people walk around and they go, good people, good people, good people, good people. Ah, oh, wicked person over there. I want you to raise your hand if you're one of the wicked people who need this. Oh, look at all the wicked people came to church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By calling this covenant, say it with me, say new, New. he has made the first one obsolete. What? He made the first covenant obsolete. Does that word register with you? Do I need to explain that word or how many get that word? It is null and void. And what is obsolete and outdated, even though it's still in the world, it still has its effect it will soon disappear in the new heavens and the new earth. And it's not just talking about a new planet coming down. It's a new place where we'll set our feet on the ground in a transcendent way. It's the new way we'll breathe and live and move. Right? Don't expect some big earth planet to come down. We're all getting on that one. That's not how it is. And it's not even talking the globe there. what's, uh, it, it, the, the old covenant won't be there. It's the one thing when you look into the Ark of the Covenant and you open it up, the signs of the Old Testament aren't there. You know that? Look it up in the book of Revelation. It's the one thing. Where is it? Where is that Ark? It's gone. But the Jesus is there giving it its light. He is the face. And there'll be no more mourning and no more tears All right, how do I embrace this new life? Don't confine God to what he's already done. How how many need some of this help in your personal life? Come on. I talked historical. I want to bring this personal. Don't confine God to what he's already done. That's how he worked last time, so he's going to do it again. Say the word new. new. He's doing something new. Trust me, I'm as resistant as you are. This isn't me going, I got all this, so I'm telling you guys, let you know. I'm letting me know too. I'm serious. I preach to myself all the time. God just thinks I need to hear it 20 more times than you do. That's why I'm the pastor. Right? That's really what happens. It's not funny. I'm calling you to the ministry. Thank you, Lord. So you'll go to church. Thank you, Lord. Because you'll make excuses every week for not going to church. That's right, Lord, I will. So you'll be the pastor. You'll have to be there. (laughs) don't limit God to your expectations your expectations this is what I think he's going to do and this is how he did it before okay and don't focus on what will go wrong this is fear speaking okay now this is where he's quoting this new thing it's from Isaiah 43 it's the scriptures we started at the very beginning okay forget the former things Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Trust me, you can beat yourself up over and over about the past. Some of you lost confidence in the past. Some of you took wrong turns. Some of you made bad decisions. Some of you, your emotions overwhelmed you. Some of you, circumstances just surprised you. And and it, it got you, it got you, it got you. Do not dwell on the past. Forget it. Forget the former things. See, I'm doing a new thing, a new seed, a new life, a new future. Future. Listen to this. The Israelites, I just want to put a, just a couple quick things here. The Israelites, during this scripture here, it's, it's right before their Babylonian capture. And God starts prophesying about the future. He says, things are going to go bad. but Guess what? I am bringing a new season to your people. Do you understand when Jesus comes, the fasting there has been completed? I'm not saying we don't fast. Jesus says when you fast, but it's for a different reason. Now, listen, they were fearful of being invaded by foreign powers. Are you fearful of circumstances coming in and taking over and sabotaging God's plans? Well, they will not. If they come, they will be overcome. The engines of war in our culture have shown its face. And the Lord's gospel and his kingdom in you will prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail. They had a fear of being surrounded and attacked, and that's how it is. You get consumed, you get claustrophobic, never knowing when or where problems will erupt. Fear of, I'm sorry, fear of being taken captive, right? Some of you have overcome things. Maybe you've overcome an addiction. You've overcome a fear, and you're going, oh my gosh, what if I'd be taken captive? The Lord can keep you safe. The Lord can bring deliverance again if you need it. Amen? There are times when they inquire to the Lord, and the Lord says, you're gonna lose this battle. Don't go in there. And they fought anyway. They did many times. And when King David, that was one of the things that set him apart. Most of the time. when he said, don't go up. He said, we're not going up. They go, come on. It totally makes sense. We won the last two. Because you think you won the last two battles. (laughs) Right? We won the last battles. This is how we did it. We get on the back and we flank them on the side. And we took down their command and control. And that's how it worked. We're doing it again. It works. It won't work, says the Lord. Stop it. Back up. Do you know that he was whispering to their king, telling him what to do? Do you understand that we need to follow the Lord? That is what's important. Fear of being captive. Captive to the heartaches. Captive to the politics. Captive to the power of this age. Captive to our fears. And then fear of being distanced from God's destiny for myself. You know, it's too late. I, I, when, I, when I went over when I was going through this and the Lord was showing me this in the history, the Lord stopped me on this one. He said, this one is in the midst, in your midst. I've missed God's will. I was in my prime, and this is when it should have happened. God can make all things new. God can make all things new. Amen. He can make them brand new. And you might think, but I was guilty. I'm the one who blew it. Yes. That's why he will remember your wickedness no more. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And then fear of getting what I deserve. Aren't you glad the Bible says he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve? Yeah. If God treats me, me as my sins deserve, I'd be in a heap of trouble right? A heap of trouble. And I'm glad for God's discipline, not at the time, but afterwards, when it's produced a harvest of righteousness. Listen, we also need to prepare for new life. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? There's that word perah. You know, do, do you not know it? Know it is that sexual intimacy word that is used with husband, wife. Do you not? Don't you know it? Don't you know it? Don't you sense it? When I asked, is God bringing a new season? He went, yes. Do you really know it? Do you understand it? And listen, you may not know what the new thing is. Because I always think I do know what it is. Right? And I'm going, it's this, and it's this, and it's this. And I I always go to God, it's either A, B, or C, Lord, which one it is? And he goes, it's J. (laughs) Like, which one's J? One you haven't thought about it. Well, then I'll get a team together to analyze all the letters. It's J4. It's always some other number. Listen, why doesn't God tell us what the new thing is? Let me give you some hints here. To focus us on readiness, not speculation. God wants our heart ready, not speculating on what's going to happen. He wants to hinder us from trying to help him and getting in his way. Right? Do you know how many times, do you know how many pastor friends I've heard, Pastor Jack was one of them, when he was, God was, they were moving them into a new building and Pastor Jack was trying to make it and he told, the the Lord spoke to him real clearly. It's in his his book, but I've known Pastor Jack. He, He said that, he had to, the Lord told him not to go to church. And his whole staff was going, why? And he says, because the Lord told me I would get in his way. (laughs) And he said, for six weeks, he said, I don't even want you to look at it, and I don't want you to think about it. And this is a man raised in the life of the church, grew up. How do you not think about it? But when he came back, God had done a ton of things despite him. Not despite him, despite him. Listen, why doesn't he tell us what the new thing is? To stop us from our attempts to drum up more faith. This is something I see all the time. I just need to have more faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can make the mountain move. It's not the problem. You have enough faith. Say, I have enough faith. I have enough faith. faith. Listen, that's not it. It's being in the will of God to know where to exercise that faith. It's not a matter of just going, i got a lot more faith. There's no boasting in heaven. Have you heard that before? You're not going to go, thank you, Lord, that my faith was way bigger than that loser over there. He obviously didn't get anything, but I got it through my faith. You know, and you get to heaven, and oh my gosh, you know. And there is times when God admires faith, the Roman centurion, but it's, and his daughter was healed, but the, he, was, he was faithful in his being under the Lord's authority. Not, not grandness. And listen, the other one with the new thing is to show us his unending wisdom and power. God is doing a new thing in you. and God is doing a new thing for you. How many say amen? amen. I'm almost done. I'm going to be five minutes late and I don't care today. <laughs> Number three, thank God for his promises. Listen to what he says. And I've, I, I've actually taught on the scripture, so I'm not gonna te- teach on this one here. But this is the two scriptures in Isaiah 43 here and in the 54. He says, I am making a way in the desert. How many can see the desert you, you're standing in? Yeah. Right? It's just a desert. That's where it is. I'm making a way. Don't make it happen this time. God says, I am making a way. I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Thank God for his promises, for his purposes, and for his provision. Amen. How many are excited about the new season? Yes. Listen, we, there, God is doing all kinds of stuff in, in, in our midst. And I'm not just talking, I'm not talking about church life. I'm talking about we are the church, we're the people. God is doing stuff in our midst. He's doing some fantastic things. We need to let him do it. We need to follow him. We need to trust him. Whatever circumstances, Ira did a great job at the beginning here having you surrender to things. Why don't you close your eyes and let's turn to the Lord in this. Can can we please? Thank you, Father God. Lord, help us to think big. That's my fourth point. Lord, I want to have my trust in your provision in the new season. Lord, I have to confess that I have a tendency to want to help you out. I have a tendency to want to make my faith greater. Lord, I have a tendency to do all the things that I just preached about, most of them. Lord, so I want to confess it to you. If 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 you're with me, would you, you don't have to confess the ones that aren't you, but if that's you, if you're, it's part of this is in you also, will you just say, Lord, forgive me. Just tell him, just speak and say, Lord, forgive me. Maybe you've been putting new wine into your old wineskins, hoping that the, the last season that you built up is kind of a big fortification and should launch you into a brand new season. The Lord said, I want you to give up the past. I want you to let it go. I'm doing something new. You need to be pliable to me. You need to be moldable. I'm shaping you into a new shape. The old play-doh, right? The old dough, the old clay. It's in the in the end, it's all going to be made new. But the Lord says, this season, let me shape you. Let me mold you. Let me form you. On the inside, let me shape the spirit of God in you. If you need to receive that, we just raise your hand to the Lord. Just both hands, just raise them up and say, Lord, mold and shape my soul. Mold and shape my character. Would you let go of the past? There are some of you, several of you holding on. I can sense it in the spirit. You're holding on to what you've built because it's so valuable to you. The Lord's saying, let it go. I have it in my hands. You won't lose. What's of value, what's uh, of eternity, what's eternal? You won't lose it. I have it. Would you just release that and say, Lord, I embrace the new season? Some of you, you're holding on to your wickedness. You think it's you, you think it's your identity, you think it's part of you. The Lord's saying, No, it's not. That old man is dead it's just an echo, it's a remnant I'm molding you into the image of my son would you let that go and say Lord thank you for the mercy thank you for the new covenant, the new testament and some of you are still fearful of the past because of past hurts, past pains you're thinking I'm tired of being disappointed hope deferred makes the heart sick and your heart feels sick and you say, I don't know if I can hope again and I'm telling you, you can. You can hope again because it's a new season. Let the other one go. Let the pains go. Let it go. If that's you, just raise both hands and say, Lord, I embrace, I trust again. I have faith in you. Just your faith is already there. The word is near you. It's in your heart. Just say it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. He's my God. It's right there. You didn't have to conjure it. You believe in your heart that he's the Lord because it's right there. And I thank you, Father. We lift up our lives to you. And Lord, thank you for redeeming us. Your goodness is so good. Oh, Lord, pour the knowledge of you into our hearts so we can rejoice, Lord. The day of fasting for hope, Lord, it's temporal, but the eternal part of it is gone. Jesus is here. He's here, and he's in us, and he's with us forever. We bless your name. And Lord, there's some relationships, too, that you want to, you need to commit these relationships to God right now. Stop managing it. Stop managing it. Surrender it to God. You don't know if you'll be good enough. You don't know if they'll be good enough. Some of you, you don't know if it's right. Trust it to the Lord right now. Say, God, heal my relationship. Heal my marriage. Heal our souls. Whatever area that you need, physical, sexual, personal, relational, job-wise, career, where you're going to live, whatever it is, give it to God and say, Lord, bring your new season. In Jesus' name, how many say amen? Amen. Amen. God bless, and I'll see you here. If anyone has any questions, feel free to come on up.